welcome to the Queen Behaviour Podcast. I'm your host, Talia DeGiulio Adams, and welcome to Queen Behaviour. What up and welcome everyone to episode seven of QB. I am your girl, Tally Julia Adams, and you guys had to really breathe that one in because today on this week's episode, we have the most divine, beautiful human being that not only do I get to call a beautiful, good friend, but just truly a woman that encompasses what queen behavior is all about. So Without further ado, I want to totally introduce her. I'm just going to call you Gemma or Jem, but you know, honestly, she's got so many titles. She's a photographer. She's a mama bear. Um, is there anything that this beautiful woman can't do? And I say that very, very humbly, but Jem, welcome to QB. Thank you for being on. Oh, Charles, what an intro. People might think I've paid you for that. That was crazy. I was not expecting that at all. And um, thank you. That's way too generous. But um, yeah, just Jem, Jem is fine. I'm down with Jem. Yeah, you, you <laughs> but I love you. That's so funny. You definitely didn't pay me, babe. And, and quite honestly, um, that definitely rolled out. We were just talking 30 seconds before and yeah, everything I said, you know, you truly, truly are, Jem. I'm so grateful that you're joining me on the podcast. and. I'm incredibly grateful that um, I get to have your time because you are a, a woman that truly has inspired this forum and this conversation and um, why I created Queen Behaviour. So thank you. Oh, that, wow. That's very sweet. Thanks, Charles. I'm, I'm really, really delighted to be here. Thank you. Honestly. So let's start here. Take everyone back a little bit. I mean, let's really talk about you for a hot moment. I don't know how far back you want to go, but just really share with the audience and share with everyone um, a little bit about you, Gem, just in a nutshell, you know, what it is that you want to share. Um, I'm just going to let you go and, and roll away. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, far out, where do I begin? Um, I don't know. I guess I had a really like easy happy-go-lucky childhood I didn't I, I'm not someone who carries like a story from my childhood past that kind of defined or you know was the catalyst for what caused change in my life into my adulthood so I had a really cruisy happy upbringing in Thailand and then moved to Australia for high school and then was very much um, into the world of acting that was the path that I was um, sort of pouring all my energy into I suppose Pursued that for many, many years and then lived in many cities. I lived in Perth, I lived in Melbourne, I lived in Sydney and then eventually moved to Los Angeles. And I mean, if we talk about life-defining moments, that for me was kind of my Saturn's return. If you don't know what that is, that's kind of in your late 20s where either things cement and solidify or they shift enormously. And I had that moment um, moving to LA and made a huge change in my life and basically pivoted and changed directions and went down a completely different career path, which is terrifying and exhilarating. And now looking back on it, I have zero regrets and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, basically. I love that 
I have just allowed you to openly share that because Jem, you are, you are one of those women that really does not define herself in titles. Um, but what you have just said is so beautiful and I've never given it a title. Is it Saturn's return that you said just now? Yeah, it's, you can Google it. It's really interesting. I've had so many friends who have had their Saturn's return moment, but they say it's between the ages of 28 and 32 and it's to do with your birthday and the alignment of Saturn. I don't know the, um, you know, the astro astrological details of it, but it, it's huge change, huge shift and almost like you hit like a fork in the road in your life and you're either going to fully commit or you're going to just redirect your whole life. That's, and that's why I was just saying it's never been a title, but you know, quite literally that makes so much sense currently in my life. So thank you. For <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, I feel like I remember how old you are, Charles, and I feel like that sort of you're in your strides with your Saturn's return. <laughs> And, and that's very, um, it's very beautiful to own out loud. So it's nice to see. I remember, um, you know, when you, and I really think that that was our connecting point because obviously we met properly in Los Angeles and mm -hmm. uh, really living in the same apartment block, living in the same apartment in the thick of West Hollywood. And um, I, oh. love that, I love that you spoke about those real defining moments, Jen, because you know, I know you've been a woman of this as, as I have been, that those defining moments are actually ultimately why we create what we do, right? So um, thank you for sharing that. And also, I know you so well, but you, you truly are, and I just want to go here, you've obviously grown, grown up very heavily in the entertainment industry, right? And I really want to be able to touch yeah. on that because obviously that's what you and I have in common. And um, you know, yep. being able to just openly share on the podcast today. I love that you have taken that leap in taking your skill set and evolving who you can truly be. And I have deep respect for that as I feel that I've also done that same thing. So just tell everyone a little bit about that world and what that, what the entertainment industry taught you and ultimately how you use that now today and what you do as, you know, being a mom and being a photographer and yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's really interesting because I think I definitely entered the entertainment industry from a very pure place from my childhood, which was I just loved performing and telling a story. I, I would just gather, I, I'm sure many people can relate. It's that whole get your mum, get your auntie, get everyone here and you put on like a talent show or whatever. I was 100% that kid. And then I fell in love with theatre, which made perfect sense. And that led me to go to acting school. And it was a really bizarre thing because I went to acting school wanting to do Shakespeare and plays and theatre. And then it's this weird thing where you graduate from acting school, you get given your agent, but then 99.9% .9 of your auditions are for television and film. So not theatre. So I was like, wow, this is really odd so obviously there isn't much work in theater and and all the work is in television and the thing about the industry uh, entertainment industry and i'm sure tiles you're you're so aware of this is it really is a strange world of feast and famine you know you have people who are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money um whether it's to be in a film or to shoot a friggin kfc commercial you know i 
I, I'll say this, but I did a KFC ad once and I got paid like $20,000 to, to for one day of work. Phrase, I mean, right? it's, it's ridiculous. It's your bread and butter, com the commercial world as an actor. Yeah. You can book a commercial, it is your bread and butter, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, talking about why, and if you go back to that, that, that doing a KFC commercial does not align with my why, but in my early twenties, I didn't have a why. It was, I want to go into this industry because I enjoy it, but I had never laser focused my view on it, how I want to exist within it. I was just on this sort of moving escalator of the entertainment industry. And I was just like a lemming and following what everyone else was doing and money's appealing for a young someone, you know, someone in their early twenties. It's like, holy shit, I can earn 20 K. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on here? Um, you know, for a day's work. And then you have your drought periods where you cannot get a job to save your life for six months, a year, sometimes that can roll into 18 months, you know. And so you're keeping yourself afloat by doing, I did many bar jobs, yeah, cafe jobs to pay the rent. I've got a lot of acting friends or friends in the entertainment industry who've gone into nannying um, for cash and hand jobs. So it's a very bizarre world to kind of exist in, especially in LA and Charles, I know you know this too, where you've got some people who are, however you define success, but they are working yeah. successfully in the industry and earning a very comfortable living and have houses in the Hollywood Hills. And then conversely, you've got a whole heap of actors or entertainers literally struggling to put food on the table and pay rent and are couch surfing. Yeah. So that kind of environment, I mean, I call it like a microcosm, I think can breed such insecurity and a yes. sense of comparisonitis yes. and an and obsession because it's so intense over there, the bubble, that you kind of lose sight of the rest of the world. And it's funny, like it wasn't until I got together with my husband and this is really sweet. Like I, I always love telling this story because it's such, it's so indicative of who he is as a person. But I was shooting a film in New York and I had dinner with him. And this is when we were just very early dating. We weren't engaged or anything like that. And I said to him, oh, I'm really excited because um, Kira Knightley might be signing on um, to do like a bit of a cameo scene in this film. And he went, which one's she again? <laughs> I and I was, and I said, uh, Kira Knightley, like Pirates of the Caribbean. And he was like, oh, yes, yeah, she's that really sexy Spanish. And I was like, no, that's Penelope Cruz. <laughs> it's not Kira Knightley's English. Like, and, and I just thought, oh my God, like he just has, yeah, like no. he doesn't know who Kira Knightley is. The entertainment industry for him in his life, in his world, is so redundant. Mm -hmm. Like it just doesn't bear any significance to his life they're just people with jobs and he just couldn't remember what films she was in and I thought holy crap there's a whole world out there outside of the entertainment industry bubble because the bubble as you know is so intense and everyone's going who got this job who got this audition who got this visa it's so full-on that it can really send you into dark dark places and um, I can look back on my time 
in LA and absolutely refer to it as my rock bottom period in my life. But I'm so grateful for it because it, it had to happen. I had to be that low in order to piece myself back together and climb back out of the depths yeah. to find not just the light, but what my light is, what lights me up, not just what, you know, not the shiny lights of Hollywood, but actually what makes Jem happy. And it all came back to simple things because when you're really down and in the dumps, just being able to smile and notice blue sky and sunshine is such a big thing that you realize, hmm, what do I want out of this life? And then that's when my why started. Why am I here? What am I doing this for? What is my purpose? What do I want out of life? Am I here for, for fame, notoriety, money, like a Hollywood profile? Like, no, not, that was never my why. So then that's when I made huge changes in my life. Sorry, that was very long-winded. No, was beautiful. And I, you know, look, I, I know that a lot of people that know me know that that was a, this, what you just shared was a big part of my journey. And, and would you say, Jem, everything you just said to sum that up in a bubble, it's like that really gets to be an individual's turning point. And I know that you and I have watched mm -hmm. it, whether it is going mm -hmm. left or going right. It really is. Yeah. If you actually get in tune with your values, you will know quite actually how you want to honor and move forward in your life, right? And I think for the both Absolutely. of us, made a decision to really regroup, redesign, recreate what that means. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And in the same way that you can't tell a smoker to quit smoking, you can't, you can't make that decision for anyone else. They, you, have to, you have to get to that point yourself. You have to want it. For yourself because the Hollywood dream is it's addictive and it's powerful and you know I've got friends who are still there still slogging it out and zero judgment in fact so much power to them I didn't have it anymore yeah I just I, I actually retreated from it and then it's funny like the second you step back and the veil gets lifted and then you get a taste of what I call normalcy and simple life and actually how simple things can make you happy, um, you don't want to go back. Like, I, I don't want to go there. The only way you would ever get me back to LA is for work. Like, yeah. if I, and, I'm, and I don't mean looking for work, I mean that I have Book. a job to yeah. go to that I, <laughs> that I've booked work and I'm, I'm going over there for a purpose yes. and I get to catch up with my beautiful friends and then I get to sort of dip out again and, and head home. Yeah. You have, so we've spoken about the entertainment world, my love, and really just those fundamental bricks in your life. Let's, let's kind of move into the point that you've kind of left LA. You've met your beautiful now husband, Runes, who we love so yeah. dearly. Yeah, Runes. <laughs> yeah, Runes. <laughs> and you've, you've moved back to Australia and you've just done this absolute, you've taken every single experience, moment, feeling, emotion, gem, and you've now created what you have now done. So I want you to talk about that beautiful discipline, and I know that you'll agree with this, that we do get from the entertainment world. I'm still sure you get these questions today. I know I do. Tell that discipline that you hold in your life, where does that come from? And I always attested to the way I was brought up, that real discipline of the creative industry. And yet you take that and you've quite often left everything else, right? But talk about where you are now. You're in Australia. 
pre-Rafa, pre-Rafa, what that period looked yeah. like. Yeah. My discipline for the entertaining industry did not convert into, um, I'll use your word, entrepreneurship, um, like smoothly, easily at all. Because I found that while I did have a great work ethic in the entertainment industry, it was so niched and tailored to that. And I only knew how to do that. So for me, that meant um, getting, like getting an audition, doing my research, learning my lines, prepping my outfit, um, turning up on time, being super punctual, got all my lines learnt, delivering the audition, and then very quickly letting it go, shaking it out the door, and then going home, and then we'll see what happens. Like that, it's so methodical. And the thing that I guess a lot of people might not know about the entertainment industry is a lot of people have agents and managers. And my experience was that I was very much like a child to my agent and my manager. It was very much a relationship of, hi, Gemma, you need to be here at this time. Here are the scripts. Right. This is what you need to learn. This is how you need to show up. And I'd go, yes, sir, no, sir, right away. So in fact, I wouldn't say no, sir. I just say, yes, sir, right away, sir. Right. You know, they say jump, I'd say how high. And I would be there, prepped, makeup on, hair done, you know. Suddenly when that was taken away from me, I was on my own. And suddenly I had no building blocks or foundations actually if I'm honest yeah. and that first year back in Sydney was one of the hardest years of my life because I was I still had one foot in an, in the industry but I knew that I'd taken a big step back by moving back to Australia yeah. but then I knew I had to do something else because at that stage I would have been 28 29 I'm not I can't how old would I have been? 28, 29 maybe. And I knew I needed to do something else, but I knew it wasn't bar work. Like I, I knew I wanted to contribute financially to my household, but I, I didn't want it to be that. And I remember thinking, I, I'm smarter than this. And I'm not saying that, you know, people who work in bars aren't intelligent, but I, I knew I could give more than pouring beers. And I wanted to, I had the drive to, but I didn't know how. And so then I started on my own journey of discipline. And that was, whoo, that was hard because I'll tell you what, working for yourself in isolation at home is hard. Like yeah. having the discipline to sit your ass down at your computer and whatever it may be, starting a business, researching the product, you could have a product-based business and you need to understand wholesaling or you need to understand manufacturing like that you got to research that, but you can't just research. You've also got to do, you've got to get to an end product. Cause a lot of people, I know so many people who want to pivot into a new industry. Um, they procrastinate, they become addicted to the learning, but not the doing. Yeah. And I, I got really tired of myself just buying time with the thinking about the idea or talking about the idea, but not actually executing the idea. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a problem that many of us have. Yeah. And um, it was actually my husband who identified that. He was like, babe, you're doing a lot of talking. <laughs> I'm not seeing much 
like he's like do you need to go to uni do you need to like what do you want to do because at the moment you're just kind of floundering in Sydney and you're not really doing anything you're just living off savings and talking about ideas and yet would one agree so, that like that floundering that limbo I guess going through the motions almost does it's so beautiful you're talking about this I had just done a piece on this um yesterday it's almost necessary for your journey because you know you either choose, I believe everything is a choice, you choose to stay there and you're aware of your, your I guess, your actions in some way, or you choose to see that, recognize that and, and adopt that. Um, because a little bit of learning and a you're little bit of learning, they're both necessary. If you're doing too much of individually of each, you get stuck. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you've, you've put it perfectly, you, you do you have to sit in misery. I know that's a really morbid way of saying it, but for me, that period of pure boredom and floundering and just sitting with my thoughts, I had to get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm really bored of myself and I'm actually not progressing. So let's get some action happening. And for the first time, yeah, exactly. And at that point I identified that I had no deadlines, no timeline no scheduling I was just working on a business idea that was it and just faffing around um so once I implemented structure and yeah. structure is so so important like I know people who have structure with how they eat with how they exercise it's no different with business like you have to have structure you have to have dedicated dedicated working hours and also dedicated rest hours where you go and do something recreational that's fun um and once I created that structure I was like okay cool I'll just chip away at this yeah. day by day and that's kind of how I developed that discipline now the discipline's inbuilt but I guess what I want to say is like if you're someone who would consider yourself a procrastinator I was right there too I would have absolutely sort of worn that stamp on my head, classic procrastinator. But it's amazing how when you make a shift and make a change, then you become addicted to being the opposite of a procrastinator, a doer. Like, yeah. like I've become Gemma gets shit done peanut because <laughs> it's, it's almost become, um, it's, it's become my sort of modus operandi. I don't know any different now other than to do because that's all I've done for the past, you know, four or five years. And now I actually have to work on forcing myself to have downtime. It's the opposite. The pendulum has swung the other way. Yeah, go there for everyone because I know that you have been a product of this inwardly and outwardly, as have I. There is no... I'm so passionate about sharing this because I think it's so important. There is no secret mm -hmm. sauce when you, and what does, you know, success, quote unquote, whatever that means to you, right? But when people are watching those from afar, getting stuff done, saying that they want to do mm -hmm. something and actually acting on that, right? And in that form becomes the success in itself. It's actually that middle ground, not the destination they hit. People say, yep. Yeah. And she went over that one and he had a better eye. It all just comes down to actually taking action, right? So, you know, allowing yourself to share that next step further, that holding yourself accountable, that if you say you want to do something, the success in itself is actually just doing it. And creating that structure is so important. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of my things that I now live by 
is that I, I'm not allowed to talk about an idea to anyone. I have to earn the right to talk about an idea when it's a real physical thing that has come to fruition. Then I get to make all the noise about it that I want. Because what was happening with me, to give you sort of a bit of context, like I always knew I wanted to go into the online e-learning space. And I had this idea about running a photography course. And I was like, I've been shooting for years and I want to share my knowledge. And I've looked online and I feel like every photography course out there is very male orientated, like very male geared in terms of like the branding. It's all black slick and yeah, let's froth over camera gear. And I was like, where is the feminine photography course where you get your hand held and it's nurturing and it's not technical based. It's, it's a beautiful creative space to learn photography. So I, I knew I had that idea. And I honestly talked about it to all my friends forever because the talking about my idea gave me endorphins. It really did. I felt like, let me, let me tell you about my business idea. And I felt really good talking about it. And then my husband was like, babe, you've talked about this idea for a year. Do we need to just park it? Because like nothing's happening and he challenged me on it he was like maybe we just need to shelve it because you, you you're talking about it a lot but I, I haven't seen you launch anything and I was like oh my god okay that's it I'm putting a lid on it I'm not talking about this anymore I have to earn the right to talk about it when it's out there Love that. and I've I've carried that with me ever since anytime I've been working on you know I'm about to launch uh, go into the baby space and launch a product that I've been collaborating on with the beautiful Emma Kate Co. We have not talked about it with anyone. Um, we will be next Thursday and then we can yell from the rooftops about it. But that's kind of, I feel like that helps you to keep going because you want to talk about your exciting idea. So if you're forced to put a lid on it, it actually forces you to set your path of direction to get to the end goal or what, the beginning of the end what goal. a beautiful and how beautiful this aligns gem <laughs> talking, but what a beautiful gem to share that if you really want to actually execute something, allow yourself to not share it in the beginning do it behind closed doors so that you have a reason and a purpose to share it. I love that, Gem. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, I, I call it quiet discipline. It's, and there's something nice about a secret and you just want to, you just want to tell people, but that, that can drive you to oh, get yeah. on with it and, oh, and yeah. bring it to life, bring it to fruition, get it in people's hands if it's a product-based business. Um, so yeah, that would, I mean, I found that really helpful and maybe, maybe someone else might find that helpful. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure many are going to find that helpful. So you, so you beautifully guided us through your journey, babe. And here you are in Australia, you have a beautiful thriving based photography business online, which I absolutely adore. In all that you shared, take us to, you know me, you know, I'm massive on energy, right? Take us mm -hmm. to, I've loved watching this in yourself but i believe it's not outwardly what we're doing but the energy we carry behind it so what i've loved about watching your journey gem is everything you've done has always had a, an individual uh, individual energy of yourself you created your photography and now you've fallen pregnant <laughs> at this point in your life and she's about to become a mama bear and you know 
let's really now be in like the now of your life, you know, really from the moment you fell pregnant with Rafa to kind of where you are now, just share everyone to everyone what that's looked like, some turning points that you had to make because when you become a mum, I'm not there yet, but when you become a mum, everything in your life changes. And one would say, especially woman, that your why becomes just like tenfold. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for anyone who doesn't have a baby and is thinking about having one or hoping to one day because because the, the energetic shift is, is mammoth. It's Everest. It's huge. And I wasn't prepared for it because by the time that I fell pregnant with Rafa, I, I had already set in my own discipline and, and my whys and that had all become crystal clear. What I didn't realize is you have a baby and then the razor focus of the clarity of that, it, it becomes even sharper. Like it's, it's in, insane. And what I love about becoming a mum, even though it is the most exhausting and thankless job, it's honestly the hardest thing I've ever done, but also the most rewarding, but it serves you in other places. And let me sort of unpack that a bit more. But basically what I mean is I have become even more time efficient since becoming a mum because time working is time away from her. So if I'm going to allot time to do work, I'm going to work so damn smart in those hours and get it done so that I can enjoy X, Y, Z hours with my daughter. I love and the other way that that translates in another beautiful way with having children is you really start to value and honor your time. So women in particular, we suck at valuing ourselves. We suck at quoting. We're so bad at it. And I do a lot of mentoring with people who want to sort of step into the world of professional photography. And they all undervalue themselves. They all over-deliver. Um, they all do way too much for way too little. And I'm constantly preaching about you have to pay your bills. You, like life happens. And even though you enjoy your job, that doesn't mean you don't deserve to get paid for it. Because when anyone in a creative-based industry starts um, down the path of doing it as a career, and this goes for me being an actor and a photographer, you'll do that shit for free. Absolutely. You'll be like, I'll be in this short film for free. I'll shoot your wedding for free. I'll do your family portraits for free because I love it. But at some point, it ain't going to be sustainable anymore. Yes. And then your love and passion for it will start to dwindle because you know, you're, it's a labor of love, but it's still a labor and you're not getting any financial reward for it. And it's, and it's so important to develop this mindset of, yeah, I friggin' love my job. And you know what? I also deserve to get paid for it. So I, I, I'm always working on this mindset with my, my students thought, because thought, it, thought is mic drop moment because my love that if so many people are not on that journey or trying to get there that is so relevant gem for everyone understanding our worth is yeah outside of money and this is a big shift that i had just done now as we spoke before we went kind of three two mm -hmm. one 
the last nine months in my life mm-hmm. realizing you can love something and be good at it. And especially the hard, the hard uh, defining moment is when you're good at something and you're not actually stick, taking a step back and looking at that worth, right? But realizing that you yeah. are worthy of the financial reward, you are worthy of whatever you feel you are worthy of, all of that's beautiful. Mm. But one thing I feel like as humans, because you know society teaches us this, is that time is in actual fact our only commodity. It's, it's all we got. Yeah, it's our biggest commodity, in fact. I mean, it's amazing. It takes a family member to get sick with a terminal illness for you to realize the value of time. Like, why does it have to, why does it have to come down to those extreme situations? Like, motherhood really, really brings you into the present and, and the value and the importance of time. Yeah. And I tell you what, like, I am a woman who works for herself, who is a hundred and 10 million percent guilty of undervaluing myself. I have done hundreds, if not thousands of jobs where there was resistance because I was like, oh, I've, I've cut, you know, I've undersold myself for this job. I charged X, but now it's become this. And I'm not, I'm actually not making money anymore because of the amount of time I've poured into it, blah, blah, blah. But nothing like having a baby to make you go, no, that's my rate. And if you can't afford me, I'm, I'm sorry. And if, you can't, and if you're not willing to pay that, then you need to decide what that's worth to you. Because if you want my photography skills for free, then you mustn't value it. So then I'm not the right fit for you. And once I started to understand my own psychology and what works for me and being unapologetic, because I tell you what, and I'm going to like talk in sort of generalization terms here, but most men are not apologetic for their rates and what they charge. They don't even give it a second thought. Whereas we women agonize over it. We agonize over it and we shouldn't. But having kids, if you're someone who struggles with that, I will say that having a child will help you with that problem because it really helped me. And it's still something I have to work on because I'm naturally and, you know, Charles, you know me well enough to, to agree with me on this. I, I'm quite soft natured. I'm genteel. And when you're someone who's sort of that way inclined in your personality, it's very easy, you're very easily taken advantage. Yes. Um, so I've had to work even harder to to um, set those boundaries. And knowing that about yourself and yet still being able to recognize that you are not defined on who you are based on the decisions you make, I think is really beautiful. And my love, also, when you have a child, it's beautiful because that why just becomes extensive, right? The why is not just mm-hmm. oneself anymore. And I think there's something really beautiful in that. Oh, totally. I mean, if, if you struggle to charge whatever rate you want to charge for yourself, whether it's a product or a service-based industry, because you think, oh, no, I'm fine. I can eat a tin of tuna and a 30-cent bread roll for dinner. Yeah, when you have a child, you want more for them. So if you you struggle with with valuing yourself and what you deserve, you can project that onto your child. And I promise you, suddenly you won't be doing things for free anymore because that, that time that you do that you take away is from your child. Wow. Girl, you have, you have dropped so much goodness today. And I, it's just like, it's so beautiful, Gem, to sit back and not listen to you, but listen with you and hear um, how you really take in your experiences, my love. And now 
shining it in the light, not because you feel the need to have to, but your energy and what you do does carry through. And it's been a beautiful thing, Gemma, to be able to watch from afar, um, especially because in some way, shape or form, whether it is you being a mum, Gem, whether it is with your, your photography-based business, you will set the tone for a lot of other people and you are absolutely doing that, Gemma. And I'm so proud of you, particularly for the women out there. So, you know, really honoring your time. I want to be able to wrap it up here. So here we are. I mean, you know, this is going to be around the release date two years, gorgeous Gemma, when my hubby and I got married. And just to do full circle for everyone, Gemma was our beautiful photographer at our wedding. And I still get asked to this day about our wedding photos <laughs> so if anyone is on yes and I mean you know you look at those photos that was the gorgeous gem tell everyone gem where everyone can find you on the social space and then I want to close it out with asking my fun fun QB question but where can everyone find you? yeah um yeah I mean Instagram is great um we can start there and then I'm sure you'll find links to things but uh my Instagram is at Gemma with a G underscore peanut like the nut. So at Gemma underscore peanut. <laughs> I love it. Every time, every single time. Um, I have adored having you on. Um, my love, congratulations on everything you oh, done. Thanks Jen. for having me, Charles. And um, yeah, it's very, very, I was very honoured uh, to be asked and Absolutely. grateful for your yeah. time too. Yeah. And congratulations on the newest She's she, he, he, correct? It's a beautiful he. He, he, I'm having a boy. He's not in the beautiful world yet, but congratulations again on your second baby. That is amazing. You and Rune together you. are just, yeah, beautiful parents. And um, I want to close it off and just ask you, in the last 24 hours, what is one thing you have so deeply enjoyed? And what is one thing that you're like, ah, probably could do that better next time? <laughs> the last 24 hours um okay well if i'm really honest i'm planning an event for the first time ever i've never and, and i tell you one thing that i've learned from this experience is that i'm not good at it <laughs> um, I, and and i don't enjoy it but that's okay you have to try everything so um i will say that something that i have really enjoyed is um there have been parts of the planning that I've enjoyed, which has been connecting with brand partners. And again, a whole new world. I, I've never entered that space and I was terrified, like terrified to ask a brand to partner with me on, a, on an event. I was scared of the rejection. But anyway, it has been the most amazing experience and everyone has been so incredibly generous. Like I've just been so blown away and I'm so freaking grateful and I hope some of them listen to this podcast and hear me say that but I'll be singing their praises at the event and um, something I have not enjoyed in the last 24 hours um, is uh, I'm in the throes of finding a place to live and I am wasting time just looking at places that I know is not aligned with what I want but I'm still oddly considering it as an option and then wasting time talking to an agent and pretending to be like a real candidate to buy when in my heart I'm like no I don't even like that house but so I don't know is that is that a weird I feel like it's it's, it's such an interesting question Tiles because 
Because that is, lit I mean, what I love about it is it forces you to confront your last 24 hours and it that's could be why, something that's really... Why I ask it. I <laughs> hold space to ask it because even right now, you'll hop off and go, you know what? Why am I looking at places that I don't even want to consider? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, that's, I just had that revelation as I'm speaking I think it's to a you. So. I do it to myself at least once a week, whether it's like a Friday or coming in on a Sunday night. What was it that I just did the day before that I really enjoyed? And what was it that I could have looked at better? Because that holds us accountable to actually seeing in our, in our core, in our gut, in our energy, what we're loving and what we need to shift and sometimes we need to take that mirror up to go what is it that we're loving and what is it that we're not so yay yeah I love that I yeah. love that no that was that was a great exercise and yeah I'll definitely do that again because yes. yeah you just shed some light on some stuff for me that I clearly needed to say thank you of course and as always for everyone else that is listening to be able to do that for yourself but Guys, honestly, Jem, thank you so much for taking the time. I adore you. I truly just, I feel that women really need to hold space to be able to have open-ended conversation like this, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, and allow it to be in a public forum in some way that it just feels safe to do so. So thank you for just honoring this. Oh, my pleasure. Um, and until next time, as always, guys, you are king, you are queen. Don't ever forget it. Do never veer away from it, and I will see you on QB. Peace. If you are yet to follow me on any of the social media platforms, I would love for you to do just that. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Talia DeGiulio Adams, and be sure to leave me a comment or a review on the podcast platforms.